Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, nobody wakes up tomorrow morning and goes, Wow, I'm going to have an affair today. Never thought about it before, but I guess I'm going to have one today. You never do that. Adultery and infidelity begin in the heart and the mind. By the time a person physically commits adultery, or goes all the way before they're married, they've been thinking about it. They've been dealing with it. They've been progressively working in that affair in their heart and mind. Way before that happened. You see, the seeds of adultery are planted in the garden of our heart. It's not very often that we randomly decide to do something completely out of our typical routine or element. Usually, any kind of shift or change in our life is preceded by a fair amount of time and thought. As Pastor Mark teaches us in today's study, this is especially the case when it comes to adultery or affairs. Just as James 1 tells us, when desire is conceived, it brings forth sin. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us that our sexual sins start off as desires in the heart. With this in mind, we learn the importance of looking to God to better align the desires of our heart with His will and design. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 29 with his continuing study entitled, Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God. Guys, you can't sit there and watch the latest lingerie thing and go, wow, just, you know, Pastor Mark, I I don't have any problem watching Victoria and, and her girls because I'm trying to find the right one from my wife. I'm not stupid. Let me just say something to you. MTV is pornographic. You shouldn't be ever watching it. If you have HBO, Cinemax, all that garbage, once in a while there might be a good program on there, but there's so few and far between, it's pornographic. Get rid of it. You say, man, that's legalistic. No, that's just wise. If you're watching as the stomach turns... You say, well, it's kind of interesting. No, the same story's been going on for 24 years and nothing changed. It's all about one thing, adultery and affairs. Turn it off. You can't watch Desperate Housewives. You say, well, Pastor Mark, there's not much left on my TV. Hmm? You got it. Many of you listen to radio. Many of our radio stations are totally pornographic. The songs are from the pit of hell. You say, you're pretty strong. Well, if God says, I better be careful because of my soul, we need to be pretty strong. Last, if your internet provider causes you to sin, get a porn blocker. Talk to your husband and wife. You see, many women now are hooked to pornography. Many women make the chat rooms go. What are they looking for? 
someone to talk to. Number three, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, just a few verses, a few books back from Matthew. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Here's number three. If married, have a vibrant, loving, regular sex life with your spouse. Vibrant, loving, regular. You see, God designed us as individuals to find sexual satisfaction, that orgasm and all the other stuff that goes with it, not just the physical part, within one place, marriage and our spouse. But Satan tries to destroy that with lots of things. So Paul had to write to the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. But since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. That takes care of the homosexual agenda right there. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The marital duty is having sexual relationships with the other intercourse. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Now, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer. Let me give you what's the exception clause. Paul says this. Maybe in a marriage, there's a time when we have to pray and fast over a job change, a situation, a sickness, or whatever. So husband and wife say, okay, for the next three days, we're just going to think about God and pray. And in our spare time, we're just going to use that, the energy that we have to, to, to pray about this situation. So no sexuality in our marriage for the next three days. So how, uh, wifey, don't run that little nighty past me or whatever and put the old long thing on, you know, whatever. And, uh, and uh, in these next three days, we're going we're gonna to consult God. Now, is there a warning? Is there a stop measure to that? Yes. Read with me. Then come together again. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean, hi, I'm uh... No, it doesn't mean that. It means have sexual intercourse again. Why? Notice the wording. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So where is the normal good sex drive to find its fulfillment? In marriage. And only in marriage. Let me give you three keys. You don't need to write them down. Number one, husbands and wives have authority over each other's bodies. When I get married, Linda and I get married, I don't just own my body now. She owns it, and I own hers. Number two, using sex as a means of control is sin. Why? Because Satan will take advantage of it. Let me speak very bluntly to you. All of us as pastors deal with this on a regular basis. We have Christian couples come in for counseling. And we'll have things like this. We go through all the things. How are you doing in finances? How are you doing this? How are you doing with that? Whatever, boom, boom. And of course, one of the questions I ask, because it's one of the four top things, is how are you doing in your sexuality? And I'll hear things like this. Well, we're a husband and wife, and we love the Lord. Um, because of one person, the other person doesn't want it. We, we have sex maybe uh, once or twice a year. Let me make a broad statement to you. And there could be a physical meaning there somewhere. But let me make a broad statement to you. That's sin. Well, I just don't want it. Well, what about your spouse? Well, I don't think they want it either. Have you asked? 
for better or for worse. You see, all you're thinking about is yourself. There's plenty of times a husband and wife can make love in bed and one isn't really interested. That's all right, as long as you're still into it. You see, you're supposed to love each other. Well, I don't care about her needs or his needs. I'm taking care of myself. That's a sin. And what happens? Satan gets a hold. And pretty soon we have affairs. We have all that. Kind of... Now, that's not an excuse for you if it's not right to go out. God didn't say that. But he said, come together again. And then we have the opposite. We deal with husbands and wives that come in, you know, the husband or wife or whatever. depends on the sex drive. You know, they want it just too frequently, every day, constantly, whatever. On your honeymoon, go for it. After the honeymoon, that changes a little bit. <laughs> so that's also wrong because you're abusing. How can you be raping your own husband or wife in a home? That can't be. But you also cannot be abstinence twice a year. Guys, think about it. This is God speaking to you, not your pastor. It was an issue. It had to be resolved. You resolve it. No more excuses. Just simply resolve it. Number three, husbands and wives, show then that they're going to lovingly fulfill the need of each other. You see, often we'll feel the need of that person with everything else but in the sexual area. Don't ignore it. You have to have a healthy relationship in your home. Number four, purify your heart and mind. Remember, it's, it comes from the mind. Well, how do I do that? Very practically. I set up moral fences, and I have to stay in these moral fences. I set them up. The next thing you want to write as you finish that is very important. Fantasy precedes action. See, nobody wakes up tomorrow morning and goes, Wow, I'm going to have an affair today. Never thought about it before, but I guess I'm going to have one today. You never do that. Adultery and infidelity begin in the heart and the mind. By the time a person physically commits adultery, or goes all the way before they're married, they've been thinking about it. They've been dealing with it. They've been progressively working in that affair in their heart and mind. Way before that happened. You see, the seeds of adultery are planted in the garden of our heart. So I have to guard what's there. What am I putting in my heart and mind? And that's why I talk to you about these things. Questionable TV programs, R and X-rated movies, all these sexual dancing, romance novels, internet porn signs, chat rooms, soap operas. I, I mentioned to you, drugs, alcohol, just make it even worse because they're not even the real person. So I have to put up my own moral fences. Now, why do I as a pastor have to put up moral fences in my life? I mean, I'm a holy man of God. You were supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> Why do I need more offenses? Because I'm a human. Do I have a sexual drive? Sure, just like you do. So every person in this room, listen to me very carefully. Every person in this room, given the right circumstances, can commit sexual immorality. There's not one of us that can. So we set up in the office, in my personal life, fences that are unmovable to protect me from my own temptations. Now, what do I mean by that? Here's the first one, and you know it. Ladies, everyone knows the difference between dressing attractively and dressing seductively. Ladies, men are visual. You're not. You're emotional in the relationship. You want the enduring, the engendering, the, the loving, kind words, the comments, the wonderful things, the, the arm around. 
Men, sex. We're visual. You women know how to dress, and you know how to dress seductively. As I said before, we're not after you, you know, now we'll pass out robes when you come into the sanctuary and whatever. We're not into any of that. Besides, let me tell you, usually it isn't too much the problem in here. It's the world outside that the guys have to deal with. So, ladies, let me just say it clearly to you. You know how to dress. If you're dressing to draw attention to you and parts of you, that's wrong. Now, dress, please, dress nicely, look sharp. We don't want these potato sacks all out there, whatever. But you know how to sit. You know how to bend over. You know how to conduct yourself. You know how to get in and out of a car. All the common stuff that I'm telling you about. Don't dress seductively. Dress very attractively, but don't dress seductively. Here's the next statement. This is for the guys. Everyone knows the difference between being friendly and flirting with an agenda. See, all the guys here know that the first thing on mind of a woman is not really going to bed. Women go to bed sexually. They enjoy it, but they go to bed sexually because their emotional needs have been met. My wife often says to me, you know, if you want to go to bed, you got to spend time with me. Some of you guys know that. You come right home, let's hop right in. No, that isn't going to go anywhere. So what happens with a woman at work? Guys, you know this. Here she comes. Husband's not been very nice. And you have an agenda. Well, you're not going to get into bed with the agenda. But you're going to get into bed with nice words. Oh, you look good today. Let's sit. Would you mind just over a cup of coffee sitting and talking? Something her husband won't do. So you have guys, you know the difference between being friendly and being friendly with an agenda. Don't do it. So what fences do I have to put up? Well, I have to put up fences at work, at home, while traveling. I put a lot of fences up. I usually travel with another person. It's either my wife or another guy. Why? Because the motel room is waiting to get you. It is. So I just, I'm wise. You be wise. Watch how you touch. Watch how you hug. Watch your eyes. Watch your heart. You have to put the fences up. You have to. You have to. And if you do that, you'll be protected. Number five, be ready to run in the right direction at any time. 1 Corinthians 6 to 18 says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually against sins against his own body. Let me give you a real quick story. A man went grocery shopping with his wife. She's off in another aisle, and he likes cookies. So he's in the cookie aisle. And he goes down, and he finds his favorite bag of cookies. And somebody's ripped open one and been stealing cookies out of it. So he's sitting there looking at it. <laughs> His wife isn't around. And the manager of the store walks by. He says, what are you doing? Nothing. He says, well, I know what you're doing. You're trying to figure out how to get one of those cookies, aren't you? He says, no, I'm trying to figure out how not to get one of those cookies. So what was the problem? Why is the guy in trouble? Well, two reasons. One, He's staring at the cookies. 
And number two, he's on the wrong aisle. Do you get it? You see, when temptation faces me, don't go, wow, wow. I think I'll just sit here and meditate a while. No, you run. You go over to where the broccoli is or something. So if you gals are out shopping and you see guys running to different aisles, you know exactly what happened. There was somebody in aisle four with the cookies and you know what I mean. Run, run, run. Next, be accountable to God and others. Number six, Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You say, you will not maintain purity unless you have your wife or husband or other men or other women, and of course your daily devotions with God. You have to have some discipline and purpose in your life. If you hang around people who don't live like you, well, now we want to be friends with unbelievers, but you can't be going to places that are going to tempt you. He who walks with the wise grows wise. Our friends are very important. Number seven, if you sin, repent quickly and be this incredible fast learner. In other words, say, how did I do that? Did I look at the cookies too long? Did I not stop after the first look? First look is fine. We all have first looks. We can't help that. Did I put myself in a place I shouldn't? If you struggle at the beach, then go at the beach when it's not a popular time. Or go with your wife. She'll hit you upside the head or whatever and keep you, <laughs> keep you straight. Now, why do I want to forgive? Because God, why do I want to repent? Because God forgives and restores. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try and justify it. Just see sin for what it is. We were deceived. Repent. Remember, if sin controls us, hell awaits. I'm going to give you one last passage. Listen to it. Look at it. And then we're through. Pay attention to this very closely. Paul says to us, Don't you know that those who do wrong have no share in the kingdom of God? In other words, if, if this is a lifestyle, what kind of lifestyle will keep me from heaven? Don't fool yourselves, those who indulge in sexual sin, who are idol worshipers, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusers, swindlers, none of these will have in the share in the kingdom of God. But verse 11 is incredible. There was a time when some of you were just like that. That was your lifestyle. But now your sins have been washed away. You've been set apart for God. You've been made right with God because of what the Lord, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of our God has done you. you see, God can cleanse us from any sin. There's nothing too difficult for God. God is into miracles. There's no exception at all. Nothing is absolutely impossible with God. And I want to put up this last verse, and I want you to see it, and then we're going to pray. What do you expect God to do in your life? Can he do anything? Is he open? Are you expecting this morning that any area of your life, any stronghold of your life, God can change? He can. Let me share with you a testimony. I want you to pay very attention, not a person leaving. And I've asked the individuals if I could share without names and not details, so you won't have a clue who it is. Every week in the office, we deal with life and death. This week, we had a suicide on Friday. On that same Friday, an individual called me and, and wanted to come in the office and talk. I said, okay. So I rearranged my schedule. She came in. I had Andrina come and join me. And this was a situation where earlier in the week, 
and this, this couple go to this church. Earlier in the week, they had already met with the lawyers after a year of whatever, and they were separating, and the, the divorce was going to be final. All the things were being made. And when she walked in the room, she just came over to me, and she just grabbed me and hugged me and sobbed. And here's what happened. At the beginning of that week, God came to her. There's no count. Andrina and I did no counseling. We had talked to her before, whatever. No, there's all God. This is totally God. God came to her and he said this. You've been miserable for a year. You're about to destroy your life and your marriage. Now I want you to just look at me. You put your face on me. Hebrews. Keep your face on God. And I'll take care of everything else. And the minute she said, I'll do it, the stronghold in her life was broken like that. That afternoon, listen, that afternoon, I called her husband. I said, would you come? I'll rearrange my schedule. He did. We met. We shared. Now, there's some things we'll go through, some words, roads that'll have to be mended. But in a few moments, by the power of God, they walked out, restored as a couple, kids involved, back together. You say, that's impossible. No, that's God. I want to say to you this morning, when they walked out that door, God said this to me. You remember the prophecy I gave you? That I'm going to expand the tents. That was fulfillment of a tent that was being split in half. It's now restored. Andrina didn't do it. I didn't do it. God did it. Now, friends, I want to say to you, Raise your expectation. Nothing's impossible with God. He can do exceedingly abundantly. You say, this marriage, this situation, this stronghold can't be done. He who the Son sets free will set you free. Now it starts here this morning. Listen to me. If you're here and there's a stronghold in your life, sexually, marriage, the thing I talked about, you know, too much or too little, your eyes, romance novels, or your marriage is just hurting so badly, it's about to be destroyed. doesn't matter what the stronghold is, drugs, alcohol, anything. If it's a stronghold and you know it and you're struggling with it in your life, in a moment, we're going to just bow heads. And do you know that when I pray for you, that stronghold will be broken by the power of God? It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you admitting that you want to be free. And we're going to change this community one person, one family at a time. That's the prophecy. Notice, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. This couple at the beginning, we couldn't have imagined it. God said, it's been my plan all along. It's about time you came. According to whose power? His power. That's at work within us. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of guarding our hearts from sexually immoral desires. In our study, we learned that it can be the smallest of desires that grow into the most disastrous of sins, the act of adultery. Continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, Pastor Mark warned us of the severity of sexual immorality and just how serious God takes His design for marriage. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. 
The cost for each CD is $5 and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 3345. And the title of this message is Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God. Again, today's message number is 3345. And the title of this message is Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God. This concludes our message entitled Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God, but stay tuned in our next message, which will be focused on the foundations of marriage. In our study, Pastor Mark will teach us key elements that will help us in building and restoring our marriages. We'll learn the importance of maintaining God as the center of our marriage, as well as enjoying the blessing that God instituted through matrimony. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in